0: How do you pull in the younger generation to really enhance technological workflows?
1: To be honest, it was not a tough sell for me. I had two young guys coming from high school uh-huh. gamers. When I heard that they're gamers, I knew they have the right mentality, and and I was right. And uh, uh, they become really passionate, and they have no fear whatsoever.
0: Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridge in the Gap podcast, sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Juliana Milanov, an experienced BIM director with a demonstrated history of working in AEC design and the construction industry. Welcome to the show, Juliana. Hi,
1: hey, Todd. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so you've done a really good job of, of gaining a trusted advisor status with the field and curious, how do you go about gaining the trust and respect from the field?
1: So for me, the most important thing is to, to find out what they need and it can be anything, um, like hardware, there might be simple information from the model, um, In order to help the few, we need to understand exactly what their role is and how they can benefit from the B model. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe sometimes they just need a training and and it's uh, as simple as giving them access to the model. And most of the time, sadly, is they don't have the adequate hardware to even open those models. And uh, I I think I had a very good success with, uh, you know, talking to them, respecting their expertise, asking the right questions, but also just showing them what the model can do for them, training them, and um, providing uh, advice on a hardware upgrade. And uh, it worked really well. I had a lot of naysayers, people that didn't trust in the PIN process, becoming instrumental in projects and driving the model and seeing the benefit. And that was very, very uh, good for me to see that this with a little bit of effort, mostly it's just, you know, giving, sometimes maybe a little bit of my personal time, but uh, listen to them because they've been there, they know how to build buildings. Mm. And they can help us build better models as well.
0: Nice. Yeah. Any good examples come to mind on how you kind of went about accomplishing that that you can share?
1: Uh, Accomplishing uh, the trust? Yeah. (laughs) And again, uh, uh, I'll I'll give you an example. I I had a superintendent and he was not... uh, a big believer in beam and was trying to get him on board we were working on a very big very complex project and i started with uh, just inviting him to the office and saying we need your help we have questions of we don't know how to model certain things you need to tell us how you're planning to construct it so we can model it properly and and potentially you can give us advice of if you see things that Do not look right. We just wanted his look on the model. And that's how we started. And gradually just by him sitting with us one time a week for a few hours, he starts seeing um, the benefit of the model. He started catching mistakes. We start working together and and that's how it started. And then uh, I changed uh, his hardware. So he was using a very old, laptop and an iPad and I just did a quick switch to twin one tablet laptop and that was the, the driving factor and um, an hour novice works training and he was flying and he was uh, seeing the benefit of the model and that helped me because he was able to answer all the questions coming from the field. Mm-hmm. Instead of bombarding me with questions all day long, like simple question, what is the insulation size of this mm-hmm. You know, interesting.
0: Yeah, is it fair then to say, kind of start with baby steps with that yeah. relationship? Don't don't try to take them all the way to the, the finish line and have them, you know, be totally self sufficient day one. Then you really have to yeah. put the yeah. time in to work with them.
1: You need to keep it simple, keep it real uh, uh be there for them, tell them you're there to serve them that they can benefit from the process and how can I help mm-hmm. what do you do? I try to understand how are you going to build that, and it helps everybody you not know, just the field and the project in general, it helps the being department as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Why do you feel it's important for the field to have access to the same model really in real time as the BIM department?
1: Well, uh, if they don't, why do we even bother building the model? You know, that needs to go hand in hand. Mm. uh, um, Most of the projects nowadays, they have a very rapid model change. Some of them are on daily basis, weekly. So they have access to the latest, what we have, they have. So sometimes the drawing, shop drawing production is way behind, but they can keep an eye of what we're working on. And, you know, they don't have to necessarily be with us in the office to review the model and give us feedback. Mm-hmm. And then answer simple questions from a vendor or from, from people on the field. Uh,
0: how do you feel BIM departments can avoid or at least reduce becoming totally overwhelmed with the demands placed on them, you know, especially now in this moment when there seems to be even more demands coming up with, uh you know, all the the safety and uh everything in our COVID world.
1: And so this is one of the problems I was having. So we were very successful showing the benefits of the BIM model, but then the people did not have access to it, so instead of the BIM department becoming the department that helps everybody, it kind of becomes a bottleneck because you cannot help all those departments you know and and help everybody so the only way uh, for everybody to benefit from that model is to have access to it with a plugin or uh, obviously the work cloud that we are also tired I think will greatly benefit any company and it will release some of the load of the team department mm-hmm. and they can focus on building a good model instead of you know mm-hmm. dealing with fires and I need this and I need that and can you give me this and, and it becomes a never ending like an extra job almost to, to provide the information that everybody needs from the model. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So I'm curious, your take on this. If if the lowest BIM budget bid kind of wins at the end of the day, whether it's realistic or not. You heard that
1: from me. I know. (laughs) I didn't say that.
0: How do you encourage and really then incentivize innovation?
1: It's, It's a very fine juggling act. So in my opinion, in a lot of projects, when they're in bidding phase, the BIM requirements are not transparent.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So it's very, very difficult to have a good cost on BIM. And um, in many projects, uh, especially when you have a complicated projects like the airport and, and government project, when it's a high-level BIM, high level of detail, then you can really get burned on the BIM cost. And uh, uh, again, um, if you have a BIM department that start doing, okay, BIM can do trimble points, they can do a little bit estimating, they can do this, they can do that, and then that budget gets blown in a week and then uh, we can make it look good no matter what, because more and more task comes to the BIM department because we are the only ones that have access to the model. And this is again to, to make my point that everybody in the office needs to have access to the model and be able to push information or extract information from it.
0: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. You said something interesting about that the the BIM requirements need to be more transparent. What would be your advice to, to make them more transparent?
1: So in general the right way to do it is to have an addendum in the contract where it clearly defines the BIM expectations of the project and um, you know, uh and everybody agrees on it and signs for it, so there is no uh later in the game, and that's what we need and suddenly, mm-hmm. you need to be to do four d five d facility management it's um, some crazy requirement that you never heard, and you need to hire five people just to comply to that scope that was not transparent, obviously,
0: yeah i think that, that really getting clear definitions is is big i'm i'm always amazed at how you can ask you know 10 people what is bim and you'll probably get like 15 20 different responses uh, of people giving you a different version of their thought of bim that there's yeah you know, so setting this is what i mean by bim on this project and having that laid out i, I think is is really important
1: it is really important and, and most of the time that document comes to like the beam execution plan mm-hmm. a lot of projects have it nowadays but it's not part of the bidding process mm-hmm. and uh, you know all the players obviously not all, all the companies have the same uh, level of BIM so this is also a factor that can make or break the
0: beam process for a project yeah uh-huh. yeah interesting so you are you're, you're pretty passionate about dynamo in construction so first can um, you kind of briefly explain dynamo for those who who may not know and then how does it help really kind of speed up the process and actually provide a, a provable ROI so uh,
1: explaining Dynamo in a simple way is, uh, it's a, a graphic, visual graphic language that helps with mundane tasks. So if you have a repetitive task, mm-hmm. Dynamo can help you. You can capture that, those steps of the task and have Dynamo do them for you. And I'll give you an example. I, I created the Dynamo script to, uh, to put annotations on uh, for duct and pipes for drawing. so every piece of duct and pipe requires three to four annotations per piece. Mm-hmm. Duct number, length, size, insulation, top and bottom elevation, whatever that might be. So th- sometimes that becomes super tedious task because you have curved building, you have layers of ducts and pipe, and so, in order not to print on paper, we had a workflow where each system has a separate color and each notation type has a different color. So, uh, anyway, it becomes impossible to produce your drawing because it takes forever to tell the story. So, um, I decided to invest in Dynamo Screen. I had a beam intern, actually, that uh, was very good with Python and uh, we decided to create a script that we automatically place notation on a certain distance, certain color, certain size, and take out some of that tedious task. And hmm. uh, that means just a little bit clean up and you're done. And obviously, I'm pretty sure your next question is how you justify that uh, expense. Yeah. you, know, you, you Obviously, so you see that's a task that takes a lot of time. I have three people full time, uh, especially in a project uh, as the airport I just finished, where we had more than four thousand drawings, and when you have three people f- fully dedicated just to produce shop drawing, uh, it's it's an easy sell that you can say if I can optimize that task instead of a week, it will take uh, two days to produce something that's uh, a good selling point.
0: Mm-hmm. So, is that how you would go about kind of generating the excitement for the scripts before you get started?
1: Yes, and and I just I always talk about dynamo and the future and what's coming, and mm-hmm. everybody knows that uh, it's important of. How uh, we implement technology and how we do construction in the future, because obviously the way it's done right now, it's 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 not uh, efficient enough. You know, it's not just faster, cheaper, better. You know, the Walmart principle. It needs to be, for me especially, super important environmental as well. Mm-hmm. And you have the new millennia now coming and joining the force and they have different expectations, different opinion on technology. And uh, my hope is that they will create that triple effect because if we don't change how we build buildings, we cannot only meet the demand that's, that's in front of us, but uh, we we cannot make any change in the climate. Um, um, that's a big, big deal.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned millennials coming into the the workforce. How do you pull in the younger generation to really enhance technological workflows and, and get them excited and to come into the construction industry?
1: Um, to be honest, it was not a tough sell for me. I had two young guys coming from high school. Uh, Gamers, when I heard that they are gamers, I knew they have the right mentality and and I was right, and uh, uh they become really passionate and they have no fear whatsoever, really interested in virtual reality in scripting in 3 d printing um, yeah, very open and and surprisingly enough. Uh, their communication skills were really, really good compared to uh, anybody else.
0: Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Millennials aren't all bad. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, very open, and, and they don't have that uh, opinion, their they're use with technology. They grew up with mm-hmm. it. They just run with it. They don't question it. They don't fear it. So I think that was... Uh, the biggest difference i noticed.
0: yeah interesting how do you think all the disruption uh, that has taken place this year is really going to change construction practices moving forward
1: hmm. are you talking about the pandemic uh,
0: yeah just yeah hey, you know uh, with being shut down and then open and then some places are yeah, shut down so- social distancing all that stuff
1: I I think the biggest lesson, not just for construction, but for the educational system and for many other places, is the ability of people to work remotely. Mm -hmm. Because that was not something that was uh, allowed as much in construction. Even though it it works just fine, you don't have to have. Big office building with many people to to make sure that they do their work and not just not talking just about the beam department being able to work remotely, but superintendents and 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 it's it's the future. You can't stop that now. So I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest change. But also just uh, doing more with less, you know being more efficient is now more important than ever you know uh, mm-hmm. trying to do the same work with less people a lot of companies obviously reduce their staff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, there is no coming back from that you know we all know in few months the obviously the vaccine will come and hopefully the things get back to normal We know that the building demand uh, is not going to decrease because of that.
0: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software's Live Lab Learning, a virtual classroom experience where students can listen, interact, and learn from veteran real-world application specialists in real time from anywhere in the world. LiveLab is the affordable, convenient way for your staff to take Autodesk certified training courses and even earn some AIA continuing education credits, all from the comfort of your own office. Visit asti.com for more information and let them know we sent you. Right. Yeah, I think that the remote work is, is maybe one of the um, most interesting areas there because I, I think it's going to be really hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Uh, yeah. The people have proven successful at, at working remote, yeah. there's not much incentive for them to be pulled back into the office unless it's just mandated. And then, you know, who knows? What, what does that do to productivity then? If, if they're more productive remotely versus being in the office, I think it's, it's something to definitely consider and, and really think through it pretty carefully before making a, a big decision one way or the other.
1: Yeah, it was benefit for, for different companies, like one day a week, you can work from home. And now I see that becoming the norm. Yeah. I personally am super comfortable with the remote collaboration I've yeah. done it for years. And I've done it not just for work, but uh, with my family. As you know, I have family all over the world. So I'm, I'm comfortable with Yeah. I don't have to be in the same room to do what I do.
0: Right. Well, it's nice to kind of switch it up every now and then too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Nice. Uh, So looking out, you know, kind of two, three years, what are you most excited about in the construction industry?
1: I'm I'm excited about what's coming because the way the technology is changing right now. And it's not we're not talking about evolution, it's about Revolution, it's explosion mm-hmm. of, of technologies, and, uh, and it's just really difficult actually to keep on top of uh, all that's happening and who is trying to win the game at the end of the day. And, uh, but uh, I think for me, the most exciting thing is to. To help people deal with the change because I think that's the biggest obstacle: fear of change. Mm-hmm. To help the people my age, my generation, not to be just easily replaced and pushed because I think their uh, expertise should matter, and uh, you know, to help them transition to that new phase that we know it's coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I'm
1: very yeah. passionate about teaching and helping, not just the younger generation because they're coming to, to construction where you need to learn so many skills, and it can be so versatile. And you can be flying drones one day, and the next day you can be operating a a robotic dog or whatever shape and form that must be. Yeah. so they will need a faster array of expertise to be able to it's going to be very exciting i know that for sure i'm just uh i'm hoping that we can get back to normal and be part of the near future
0: yeah well i think that knowledge transfer and knowledge share mm-hmm. is is going to be a key component to that for sure and, and helping yeah. you know spur on the the revolution because you need the the real world experience mixed with the technology mixed with a uh, growth mindset and innovation, you know, it's, it's going to take everybody pulling from all angles to to push the industry forward where it needs to be.
1: And a pinch of salt to that.
0: <laughs> there you go. You got a good <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> yes.
1: It is a cocktail and it, it is a team effort. And so it's not just at this point, beam and the beam department and people mm. that build the model. It's, it's, the whole team the whole company and how all departments talk to each other
0: oh for sure yeah it, it's not riding on one department or one segment of the industry's shoulder it's the whole industry has to to change and yeah. innovate uh so looking back the other way I'm, I'm curious what what made you get into construction to begin with
1: <laughs> yeah i was uh, in the uh, in engineering for most of my life, and okay. I think it was technology that got me into construction. From from what I saw that they were using, uh, you know, technology to help their workflows, and and that's what excited me. To mm-hmm. and they needed help, you know, implementing those technologies. So once I, I I saw Revit, I just never looked back and got into construction and And what excited me there, it was every day it's a different day. There is no repetition. Yeah. Every project is different, new challenges, different technologies, different people and it's, it's very challenging but also um, very satisfying to be part of um, construction process and work with great people. Yeah. Great buildings.
0: Very cool. There's definitely great people in the industry for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, how do people get in touch with you?
1: Um uh, LinkedIn for me is the best way. Um uh, I haven't reached my my <laughs> maximum load of contacts. So yeah, you can reach me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. I I Try to respond to any request, and I'm I'm available at the moment. So uh, text me uh, on LinkedIn and uh, any questions. Beam there, then then, bada beam, bada boom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I like it. (laughs) Well, Juliana, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dad. Thanks for inviting me
0: course and thank you to those listening if you are interested in learning more you can visit our sponsors applied software at asti.com for more information you can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also be sure to check out our website bridgingthegappod.com until next time I'm Todd Wyant thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the gap podcast keep innovating thanks for listening to the Bridging the gap podcast enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyatt. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.